Yeah. So I definitely agree with the boys in that video. We definitely got a few things wrong there. Isn't it crazy how that can happen, though, how suddenly the story can change over time. You can start to wonder if this is true and what you can believe, and you get a little bit confused about how it went. I mean, it seems like you, get, you watch Discovery Channel or History Channel. They're saying something different. It's just weird how the story changes, and I guess that's because we can't really know what happened 2,000 years ago, or can we? See, today I want to talk about how I, I do think we can know what happened all those years ago. And I think talking about this brings up four really important questions that we're going to look at quickly this morning. The first one is, what really happened? What really happened? The second one is, how can we know? How can we know what really happened? The third question is, why does it matter? And the fourth question is, what do I do? And so let's talk about these four questions here today. Let's talk about the first one. What really happened? Was Jesus actually put on a cross? Did Jesus even exist Uh, Did he die, or was he taken down off the cross before he died? Was he actually placed in a tomb? And and come on, did he really rise again? What really happened? We got to talk about that. Um, How do we know? How do we know what happened? This is such an important question for us to ask, because this is where a lot of people get hung up. A lot of people think to themselves, I would love to believe in Jesus. I mean, what a great story. God came to save us. He loves us. He wants to forgive my sin. What an incredible story. I'd love to believe this, but How can I possibly know? See, here's where a lot of people get stuck. A lot of us think that either you're an intelligent person or you believe in God, right? Isn't that kind of what you hear? Either you're intelligent or you believe in God. It's got to be one or the other. Haven't been there been times in your life where you've made a decision and it was either I'm going to be intelligent right now or I'm going to do this, right? I want to show you some pictures of some people who probably were asked this question, do you want to do something intelligent or do this? And they all chose do this, okay? So let's go ahead and look at this first one. Look at that. Do you see what's going on in this picture here? Is it really that hard to find some bricks to put underneath the board? You got to put the board on your friend and jump him. Next picture we got here, another one here. Now, I'm not an electrician, but I don't think you're supposed to have both feet in a puddle while working on electricity. I don't know, Josh, you can let us know. What do you think, man? Next, next picture here. Uh, I just love this picture. Look at this. I love the fact that there are two perfectly well-working tables in the background, and I just think about the conversation that happened before this. Hey, Billy, i got to cut this here board with this circular saw. I reckon if you get down on your hands and knees, I could use your back as a cutting surface, right? I mean, wonderful, wonderful. Next picture, what do we have here? Yeah, I, don't, I guess these guys never heard of an umbrella, right? Get in the shade. See those four guys sitting underneath the tractor? Yeah. Uh, next one, what do we have? Yeah, um, I'm not a zoologist. I don't think you're supposed to grab a tiger's tail. I'm pretty sure. And I just love that he's smiling, like, this is going to go really well. Right? Isn't that great? Next one. Think safety first. <laughs> Practice what you preach, bro. And lastly, we have this one here. Get a brain, morans. And don't you love that there are people behind him, like, like rooting him on, cheering him on? That's right. You tell him, Johnny. We're the smartest guys east of the Pacific Ocean, man. We got this, you know. They're so excited. But I just love that This is kind of what we think about when we think about being a Christian. It's like either I'll be intelligent or I'll do those things. Either I'll be intelligent or I'll follow God. And so how can we possibly know? Can we actually be smart and intelligent and yet believe in God? Can we actually know what happened for sure so that we don't have to just take it on this blind faith? And so we're going to look at that and answer that and say, why does it matter? What does it mean for me? Let's just say all this was true. Why would it even matter anyway? If Jesus did die, if he did rise from the dead, then why does it even matter 
for me. And lastly, what do I do? What do I do? If Jesus is there, if, if he actually rose back from the dead and he loves me, what do I do? Do I like, try to earn his favor some way? Do I try to start being a really good person? What do I have to do if all this is true? So this is what we're going to look at today. This is so important for us to talk about because it's Easter Sunday and either Jesus rose back from the dead or he didn't. Either God in the flesh defeated sin and death for you and for me or it's about some chocolate and some marshmallow peeps, right? This is so important for us to talk about. It's so important that we understand what we're looking at here today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad that you are with us. And we think it's such a big deal because these are probably the four most important questions you could ask in your life. These four questions we're going to look at here today. I spent four years, four or five years of my life asking these four questions. I grew up in a great Christian home, and uh, I grew up going to a great school and great church, great family. But man, I started asking these questions when I got to college. I started taking some classes on world religion and philosophy, and I started to doubt and and struggle, and, and I started to ask all these questions. Wait, what I've been taught my whole life, is it true? Is it real? Can I even know? And if so, does it matter? And what do I do? And they were four or five really tough years of my life. But I came out with so many answers. And some of the answers that I found I want to share with you today and actually over the next few weeks. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you because you're going to be encouraged by what you hear today. You may already know the answers to all four of those questions, but I want you to know something. Your faith is going to be strengthened as we talk about this. Just me getting ready for this series and going back over some of this stuff and looking back at some of the answers I found all those years ago, my own faith and my own relationship with Jesus was revitalized in some way and and encouraged me so much. Just like, wow, this is reality. This is truth. And so I encourage you today, if you're a follower of Jesus, don't, don't tune out. Let your faith be strengthened. And also, this will be true of you. You'll have some answers for some people around you, some people who might be saying, come on, can we really know if this happened? And what does it even matter if it did? And so you're going to find some, some encouragement and some answers here this morning. So let's talk about question number one. What really happened? What really happened all those years ago? Well, we're going to let a guy named Peter tell us. Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. He's kind of famous for being a knucklehead and making some really bad decisions and doing some pretty stupid things sometimes. But Peter says some incredible things about Jesus. He was preaching to a big crowd in Acts chapter 2, and you guys can check out on the screens what he had to say. He says this, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. Now, Peter's saying something really important here. You know what he's saying? He's saying that Jesus isn't just some guy that was walking around on the earth. He's saying Jesus was God. And and what he's referencing here is the day that God spoke about Jesus and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so we have these eyewitnesses saying, hey, this is what we saw and this is what we heard. And, And here it says that Jesus was doing miracles and wonders and signs. That's so important because we need to know that this, again, this wasn't just some guy. No, this was God walking around, healing blind people, healing lame people, doing all these incredible things. It's so important because those things prove that he was God. He could back up what he claimed. 
I heard a story recently about a guy who was obsessed with running. He was obsessed with it. He would read about it. This guy was not me, by the way. Uh, read about it. He had all these subscriptions to all these running magazines and everything. You know how most of us are so excited for, like, Apple to announce a new iPod or a new computer or something? This guy would, like, hold his breath for the Nike sneaker press releases. He was so excited about these sneakers. He actually went to a place where they analyzed his running stride so he'd know what sneakers to buy. The funny thing about it is all his closest friends never saw him run. He read all about it, knew everything about it, spent all this money, had the coolest new sneakers, and never saw this guy run. He never ran. And I love that Jesus wasn't like this guy. I love that Jesus said, I'm the son of God, and I can back it up by what I do. It's not just what I say. It's not just what I read. No, it's what I do. And Jesus backed up that he was the son of God first by healing and loving and teaching in a way that no one else had seen. And so what really happened? Jesus, the son of God, is walking around healing and changing lives. And then Peter goes on in verse 23. Wow, 23, it says this. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. Listen to this. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Now that's really important. Because it doesn't say, yeah, he was nailed to the cross, but they took him down before he died. It says, no, they killed him. He was dead. Many of us have seen the movies or the stories, and we know that not only were the nails driven through his hands and his feet, but a a spear was thrust into his side to make sure Jesus was dead. And so he wasn't resuscitated. He wasn't somehow faking. No, he was dead and put in a grave for three days. And then verse 24 says this, an amazing verse. This is what we celebrate today. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. So this is what happened. This is what Peter said happened. But then the question comes up, how do we know, though? How can we know this actually happened? How can we know that, I mean, we're staking our lives, our eternities on this if we're going to put our trust in Jesus, right? So how do we actually know? This is such an important question because we don't want to be morans, right? We want to we be smart, intelligent people who can actually move forward in our faith and not feel like, well, I guess I'll just do this because it feels good or it feels right or it's some crutch I'm going to lean on. No, we can actually know. And here's one of the ways we can know. I did a 10-week series. That's what the evidence CD set is out at the info desk. I did a 10-week series showing all the reasons we can know Jesus is alive. And I just want to share really one of those reasons with you here this morning. The reason I want to share with you this morning that we can know Jesus is alive is because of the eyewitnesses. The eyewitnesses. Okay? Well, who were the eyewitnesses? Well, these were the people that knew Jesus, that knew him before he was crucified, saw him when he was put in the grave, and then saw him raised back to life. Well, who are these guys? Well, there's a bunch of them, but we're just going to look at what two of them have to say. One of them's name was Peter. He's the guy that was preaching earlier and said, hey, this is what happened. This is, this is what happened to Jesus. He came, he healed, he died, and he was raised back from the dead. And look at what it says in verse 32 in Acts 2. God raised Jesus from the dead. Look what Peter says. And we are all witnesses of this. We saw this happen We didn't hear about it. We didn't hope it. We didn't dream it. We didn't think it. We didn't imagine it. We are witnesses of this. There's another guy named John. I want you to see what he said. John was Jesus' best friend. 
He was a disciple. He was one of the closest followers of Jesus. And he talks about Jesus here in these few verses, and he calls him a nickname, the Word of Life. Okay, that's one of the nicknames of Jesus. I have a couple of nicknames. Um, one of the youth group kids, every time they see me, just says, hey, what's up, Baldy? That's it, I'm Baldy. Uh, my kids program Siri so that anytime I ask Siri anything, she responds, the bald master. That's my nickname back from them. Um, so I have all these different nicknames. Um, and so Jesus had a, a, several nicknames, and John used this term, the word of life. And look what John says here in 1 John 1. That which was from the beginning. Okay, so right away we get a clue. He's not talking about me or you because none of us were from the beginning. He's talking about Jesus, which we have heard. So we heard him speak which we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. Jesus was not a mirage to the followers of Jesus, to John, to Peter, to these guys. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We've seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Look at verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. John's saying, I'm an eyewitness. I actually, I'm not just an eyewitness, I actually touched Jesus. I heard him. I saw him. We spent life together. After the resurrection, Jesus made breakfast for the disciples. This wasn't a mirage. This wasn't something they dreamt up. John's saying, hey, I'm an eyewitness, and this is what I saw. Peter's saying, I'm an eyewitness, this is what I saw. But then a question comes up, right? Why should we believe what Peter and John have to say? Why believe them? They say they were there. Why believe them? Well, the reason we believe them, the first reason is Peter was killed for what he said about Jesus. Peter was so convinced Jesus was alive, he was willing to die for it. He was crucified upside down. Before that, he was beaten and imprisoned and beaten and imprisoned and beaten and imprisoned. And they told him, if you just stop talking about Jesus, we'll stop doing this. And he said, I will not stop. And eventually they put him on a cross for saying Jesus was alive. Would you believe a witness that was willing to die for what he said he saw? Why believe John? Well, John was not martyred for his faith, but he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was tortured, and would not stop saying Jesus is alive. You might say, well, people die for their faith all the time. What does that really prove? I mean, people die, like there are Christians around the world today, Buddhists around the world today, Muslims around the world today, dying for their faith. What does it prove just for someone to say, hey, I'll die for for my faith? Well, see, what Peter and John did is different. You see, Peter and John weren't dying or being tortured for their faith or what they believed. They were being tortured and and killed for what they saw. You could take me outside and kill me today for being a follower of Jesus. It's different than what happened to Peter and to John. They were dying saying, hey, I saw him alive. We had breakfast. And so it's very different than anyone just dying for for their faith. Another reason we should believe Peter and John, and what's gone on here with them giving their lives and being tortured is because people don't die for what they know is a lie. People aren't tortured for what they know is a lie, right? If this was made up, if John and Peter were out for some kind of power or wealth or prestige or fame or whatever, as soon as they said, we're putting you in prison and we're going to beat you up or we're going to put you on a cross, Peter, they would have said, just kidding, it's not true. I mean, as parents, don't we know this, right? When we push our kids Uh, a little further, dig into the truth. The truth comes out as soon as they are threatened with something. My daughter, Bryn, uh, she's like all, she's like into basketball now and everything. She's like, she wants her room painted orange. She's got basketball stuff all over rooms. But when she was little, she was all into princesses and Barbies and stuff. And and so we would kind of push that. 
you know? Like if we thought she was doing something wrong or she wasn't telling the truth, we'd be like, Brent, we're going to take your Barbies away. And, and one time something happened, Kelly said, I'm going to take your Barbies away, put them in the garage overnight if you don't, if you don't not, you know, tell me what's going on here. And so uh, Bryn went ahead and, and I guess did what she wasn't supposed to do, and Kelly went and got all the Barbies she could find and, and went to put them in the garage. And Bryn was a tough cookie, man. She came running after Bryn, and she had two Barbies in her hand. She goes, here, Mommy, you've got these. And hands them to Kelly to put them in the garage. But if we wanted to get to Bryn, we always had the princess makeup table. That was it. And I actually have it here on the stage with me here this morning. because so I want you to see it in its glory. Now look at this. I mean, this is pretty incredible. You have, you have the castle in the background. You have the mirror here. But this, my friends, this. The horror movie head. Oh, is that horrific? Is that terrible? Do you see this? Kelly would be like, Doug, can you go in Bryn's room and get something? I'm like, heads in there. I don't know. You know, I was afraid I'd walk in there one day and like Brittany would be like, oh, pretty girl. Her head starts spinning around. I don't even know. But uh, the princess table, and I'll tell you what, any, I'm going to cover this so you're not distracted. Uh, any time we wanted to get to the truth with Brynn or see what's going on, as soon as we threatened that, she would say, oh, okay, here's what happened, or I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Or, and this is what Peter and John would have done. As soon as they said, there's the cross you're going on, okay, we're going to beat you, we're going to imprison you, that's exactly what Peter and John did. Just kidding, Jesus is dead, he's still in the tomb, we hid his body. That's not what they did. No one's willing to die for what they know is a lie. No one's willing to die or be tortured for what they know is a lie. Now, real quickly, we have to take this a little further, because this is how far I look. This is how much I questioned my faith and what I'd been taught as a kid. Then I started to think, well, how do I know that Peter and John suffered for their faith? Because if they didn't, then, man, this whole thing of, like, people dying for what they, they, uh, for what they said about Jesus doesn't really matter. But how can I know? Well, see, here's what's incredible. We don't just have the eyewitnesses. Some of you guys remember this when we did the evidence series, right? We have the eyewitnesses of the eyewitnesses. Remember this? We have guys that knew John and knew that they suffered for their faith. We have guys that knew Peter, and, and knew that Peter had been crucified. Some of the early church. There's a guy named Polycarp, and Polycarp was an eyewitness of the eyewitness. He was one of the disciples of John. And so John's a disciple of Jesus. Polycarp was a disciple or a follower of John. And by the time Polycarp and John met, you know what had happened? John had been beaten and imprisoned over and over again. Peter had been executed. Paul had been executed. James had been executed for their faith. And so Polycarp, who knew the eyewitness, who knew Jesus, who saw Jesus alive, not only is he like this great source we can go to, but guess what? He gave his life for it too. He was so convinced John was serious that Jesus was alive that Polycarp died for his faith. In fact, you can look at the screens and see the testimony about his death. The proconsul then urged him, saying, swear, and I will release you. They're telling Polycarp, curse Christ, and we'll let you go. Polycarp answered, 80 and six years have I served him, and he never once wronged me. How then shall I blaspheme my king who has saved me? Polycarp was burned alive. You got the eyewitnesses. You got the eyewitnesses of the eyewitnesses. And then, if that weren't good enough, you have the eyewitnesses of the eyewitnesses of the eyewitnesses. How do we know Polycarp was willing to suffer for his faith? Well, because he had, we have a guy named Irenaeus who was Polycarp's disciple. And Polycarp wasn't necessarily martyred, but you know what Polycarp, or I'm sorry, Irenaeus, you know what Irenaeus did? He wasn't necessarily martyred, but he took the job of a guy named Pothinus. Pothinus was a bishop, and the reason the, the job opening was there was because Pothinus was murdered. 
Pothinus was tortured in prison and died for his faith while Pothinus' friends were out in the Colosseum being ripped apart by animals, being followers of Jesus. And so we could take these guys seriously. I mean, we're out into the second century now, and we could keep going with people. You could have the eyewitnesses of the eyewitnesses of the eyewitnesses of the eyewitnesses. You could have all these different groups of people that point back to what Jesus did, and it all leads back to them saying, we will die, we will be tortured, we'll be in prison. I'll take the job of a guy who was just martyred. That might, means I might be martyred too. I mean, these guys were convinced Jesus was alive. Now, some of you might be saying, man, it, it seems like a long shot that all these terrible things were happening. It seems like a long shot that all these Christians were dying and being tortured and imprisoned and all this. But you know what? Secular, secular history tells us exactly that's exactly what was going on. Uh, a a non Christian historian named Tacitus says this is what they were doing to Christians in the first century, second century. A uh, non Christian historian named Josephus says this is exactly what they were doing to Christians at this time in history. And so, how can we know that Jesus is alive because of the eyewitnesses and because of their willingness to suffer and die all the way out to the eyewitnesses of the eyewitnesses of the eyewitnesses? So, why does it matter? Question three. Why does it matter? If Jesus really did this, why does it even matter? Well, let's look at what we read a little earlier. And there's two words that I want to jump out at us here. Acts 2.23 says this, but God knew what would happen. And his, listen to these two words, pre-arranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in it's grip. Let's talk about those two words, prearranged plan. This is why it matters. This is why it matters for every single person in this room because it was not an accident that Jesus was put on the cross. It was not a mistake. God didn't go, oops. No, it was the prearranged plan before creation that God would die for you and for me. That means two things. It means we're incredibly loved and it means we need someone to save us. We need our sins removed. We cannot remove them ourselves. We can't outdo the wrong. We need someone to die in our place. Prearranged plan. That's why it matters. God loves you so much that his son was put on the cross where every one of us should have been because of the sin in our lives. And he rose back from the dead. You see, the resurrection is so important for several reasons. First of all, only God can raise back from the dead. This is supposed to wow us. This is supposed to amaze us. Another reason it's so important is because a dead Savior is no Savior, right? If Jesus were dead, he's not our Savior. He's not God, but he's alive. And so he rescues and he saves. And we have this incredible love that our God has given to us. And so last question, what do I do? If all this is true, what do I do? Remember John, who was tortured for his faith? He wrote the most famous verse. You ever watched a football game? You've seen this verse on a huge sign. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, that's the word I want to jump out at you in that verse, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's what you do. You believe. I believe that this chair is supporting my weight. In fact, that stool I purposely switched out during the video because it's a little creaky and I wasn't sure of it. But I put my trust in this. I rest in this stool right now. I believe that it can carry my weight. 
And you know what? That's what it is to look to Jesus as your Savior. It's to trust in him. It's to relax and sit down and let him carry you and me, the weight of our sin, the weight of our guilt, and remove our sin from us so that we can have a relationship with him and live in heaven when we die. And so we believe. We look to him. We, we have faith. Again, not blind faith, not uneducated faith. Look at all the evidence we saw this morning. And next week and the week after, I'm going to give you nine more reasons why we can trust that Jesus is alive. And so if you're not convinced today, that's okay. I understand it took me four or five years to be convinced. But I want you to know today this truth because we've seen what really happened. We've seen why we can trust it. We've seen why it matters and what to do. And what I want you to know is that Jesus is alive and he wants a relationship with you. Jesus is alive today and he longs to have a relationship with you where he removes your sin and he becomes someone in your life that you trust in and you relax in and you sit down and let him hold and carry you through the ups and downs of life, the brokenness of life, the hurting that you may go through and watch that he can be trusted. Not just in eternity, that's the big part, but also here and now. I want you to see that this isn't just about 2,000 years ago. I want you guys to watch a video real quick about a person who lives in our day whose life has been transformed by a living God. You guys should check out the screens. I remember when I was 17 and a woman asked me, are you saved? I didn't have any idea what she meant. I was like, saved? What the heck is saved? I wasn't a, the greatest athlete. I definitely wasn't a scholarly student. I wasn't the toughest guy. Um, but being able to rap was my source of significance. I grew up wrestling with significance because my, my father and my mother weren't together. Um, never met my father. He uh, became a drug addict and kind of let his life crumble. I experienced abuse as a kid. I experienced neglect and, and uh, you know, different kind of things. And so I was just wanting real significance, and I didn't feel like I was going to get it trying to be uh, this manicured, good, all-around student in person. From drugs to drinking to I'm a wreck, partying to I don't fit anywhere. I'm just this misfit of a person. My mother was like, you just need to read your Bible. And I remember ripping the pages out of the Bible and throwing them on the floor. And I said, I don't want this Bible. I just couldn't wrap my hands around this being true, this being real. It's probably not real. Probably just something people use as a crutch. I think as the emptiness started to, to get more profound, when I had to drink more, smoke more, find another woman, another woman, another woman, I was really really, really in a dark place. And then finally, uh, someone got up and said, do you know you've been bought with a price? And he told me the story of Jesus on Golgotha and, and him carrying the cross and him uh, bearing all of my sin, all of my lying, all of my cheating, all of my my, my escapades, all of my drinking and drugging and put it on his own back. And he said, I was bought with the price. And it made me think, man, I'm, like, somebody thinks I'm significant enough 
to die for me. Somebody thinks I'm significant enough to climb up this mountain with this cross on his back and take nails in his wrists and his feet for me. I saw change happening. I spent a lot of time searching for father figures. I saw the evidence. And God has shown me that you know, ultimately he's my father. I've learned to stay close to my source of significance, to my source of worth. And uh, that's God. So I hope if you're a follower of Jesus today that you are encouraged in your faith. I hope you will live in the reality that Jesus is alive. It's like sometimes we just miss that. Sometimes like we've heard it so much or we're just kind of used to it or we're just sort of doubting it. We're not sure. I hope today you are encouraged and you're going to spend today and beyond excited and growing in your relationship with God. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, I hope that you have seen some answers and maybe you're ready to put your trust in Jesus today. That'd be amazing, but maybe you're not and that's okay. I would encourage you to. I would encourage you. I wouldn't want to spend one day of my life apart from Jesus. But if you're not ready today, I would encourage you to come back. We're going to keep talking about this for a few more weeks, all the evidence that there is that we can know that Jesus is alive. And if you're a Christian, you're going to be encouraged again. You're going to find answers for other people in your life. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, then I hope you'll keep coming. If you don't like our church, that's okay. We'll help you find a church. I have friends all over the island that are a part of great churches. Maybe you like the music or the haze got in your eyes or you just didn't like me. The light's reflecting off in a weird way or I don't know. But we would love to get you somewhere where you can grow and you can explore your faith. But just keep going. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that if there's even a possibility that any of this is true, it wouldn't be crazy not to look into it. And so we encourage you today to do that. But if you're a follower of Jesus, be encouraged. Live in the truth and the reality of it. Impact others. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to either put your trust in him today or to see you again in the future, help you find a church that you can continue to look through all this. Because the truth is, Jesus is alive and wants to have a relationship with you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you are alive. I thank you for the eyewitnesses. I thank you for pushing through all of my doubt And those years of toiling and struggling and fearing and worrying, and I thank you that I found answers. And I thank you that today I can celebrate a risen Savior that I don't just hope is alive, but that I know is alive. And so we thank you for that. If you're not a follower of Jesus today and you want to put your trust in him, I would encourage you to put, or rather say, something just like this, just silently between you and God. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you for leaving a trail of evidence so that I don't have to choose whether I'm going to be an educated person or a follower of Jesus. I thank you I can be both. And I pray, God, today that you will begin to change my life. I thank you that you didn't just leave us evidence 2,000 years ago, but, but like we just saw in that video, you're still changing and transforming lives. And so, God, will you transform my life? Will you change my life? Show me how real you are and help me to grow in this relationship with you. In your name.